from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. One of the things I like to do on this show is pull back the curtain behind some of our local institutions that we rely on every day. And one of those institutions that tens of thousands of us here in the Catskills look to to learn about and participate in our community is local news. In Sullivan County alone, I can think of more than half a dozen digital, in-print, or radio-based local news organizations. For a county of less than 80,000 people, that's pretty impressive. And I know for me, it's easy to take something like local news publications for granted. They come out daily, twice weekly, weekly, or monthly, and we expect them to provide us with the full picture of local news, local events, local press releases, opinions, legal notices, and business information right on time, every time. But of course, there are real people behind the headlines, working every day to bring us the information we need about this corner of the world that we call home. And I think that the topic of local news is particularly interesting right now because although we've heavily relied on it during the pandemic, local news organizations here and across the country are struggling to just stay above water. Since 2008, the number of newsroom employees working in the newspaper sector fell by more than 50% from 71,000 to about 34,000. And the closing of local and regional newspapers accounts for a major slice of that. In 2020 alone, more than 300 U.S. newspapers shut down, and it often wasn't because people weren't reading them, but rather in large part due to enough ads being pulled that the papers went from treading water to going under. So it's an odd conundrum that we're in, where local news organizations are struggling to make ends meet, but we love our local news, and there's data to back that up. A 2019 study from Gallup and the Knight Foundation found that 85% of Americans have at least a fair amount of confidence and trust in their local news. Comparatively, only 62% have some degree of confidence in national news. And yeah, that means that 38% of Americans believe that virtually everything covered by national news media cannot be trusted. And that is probably why more Americans than ever turn to local news during the pandemic. According to the Pew Research Center, 23% of Americans said that they had shifted to focusing more on local news than national news during the last year, while only 15% said that they had shifted more towards national news, and 61% said that they had paid about equal attention to local and national news sources since the pandemic began. The other statistic that I'd like to drop here is one that I am both puzzled by and concerned about, and I'm looking forward to asking today's guests about it. According to that 2019 Gallup and Knight Foundation study, 50% of Americans who self-identified as Democrats had, quote, strong confidence in local news. But only 27% of Americans who self-identified as Republicans had that same high level of confidence in local news. That's a 23 percentage point gap, and consider that most local news outlets don't wade into national partisan politics very much. I'm curious how and why that erosion of trust in local journalism is happening, particularly along party lines. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Today, we're going to hear from four people from four different Catskills media organizations who are working behind the scenes to bring us our news. I'm excited to find out how they do what they do, what they see as the impact of local news on our communities, how they go about building trust with readers and listeners, and what the future of local news is. And we're kicking things off with someone from one of my personal favorite Catskills newspapers. For those that don't know, I'm uh, Joe Abraham. I'm uh, Next month will be five years since I joined the Sullivan County Democrat staff. I started as sports editor, was co-editor for a while, and was recently uh, promoted to managing editor. I was sort of got into the whole love of journalism uh, at a young age. I always like to keep like sports stats and games and, and 
So the sports side drew me in and I've always been a natural interviewer. I always tell the story of my mom tells me when they took me trick or treating. I don't know if I was like age four or five or something. Um, when I would go to the house as an only child and I enjoyed the attention and uh, someone would try to give me candy and I would subject them to full scale interviews. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would be like, um, what's your name? What, were you asking you, what do you do? Uh, for a living? <laughs> I think one time I actually invited myself into someone's home. So that sort of uh, started it, I guess. For folks who, you know, haven't worked in the journalism profession before, which is most of us. Um, what does it take to do what you do? I think two things. One, I think you need to be multifaceted because a lot of newsrooms today, um, I mean, we're a small newspaper in Sullivan County who does a lot, but, but we're already set to be a smaller staff. You have to, it's not longer like, I guess you could say back in the older days, if someone described it where you had a set beat, like, and that was your main beat, like you were either the crime reporter or this, you just have to really be able to, to turn things around and do various things like write about a sports high school game one afternoon and then take off and go to a college board meeting. The other thing I think is you need to have like an uncontrollable curiosity, right? Because mm -hmm. in addition to, uh, writing stories and, and giving the bare bones, factual 5W type of information for people. A lot of times when we cover these town board meetings, when we cover uh, various events, there's not a lot of people there uh, at these town board meetings. Or and That could be for various reasons. Maybe they're not interested in sitting, listening to uh, sewage rate increases or decreases or Maybe they're just busy working. And so for us, we're sort of the ones providing them with that information. But also we have to be the ones to ask why or go beyond just what's there. As far as the everyday uh, thing with it, it's, it's you have to be patient too, uh, because and, and you have to sort of be, don't get too like hyper stressed because you could have something completed like a project as in most industries where you have things and you think you're done with it. But in this, in the blink of an eye, you could have to tear everything up and go right back if something crazy happens before deadline, like a multiple alarm fire or, or the, of that nature. It sounds like so much of the the reporting and work that's happening, it's it's coming kind of intrinsically from you. It's you seeing something that's happening really quick. You're not going to be instantly then in communication with the rest of the staff at the Democrat, but rather you have a sense that this is newsworthy and I need to go out and at least get some photos, get an understanding of what's happening. So that way I'm prepared to write something up about this. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a level with stuff that's like, if you know a big events happening in advance or like a supervisor of a town resigns or, or something more major like that, there is, there is a beat structure that typically we have and people follow. So they know that like, that's so-and-so's responsibility, but hmm. For a fire or that, usually, yeah, you have to get on the go. And But we do a good job with uh, staying in contact. We use like Facebook Messenger with, with the team. I, I also am curious if you have a story that you've done in the past that you are most proud of. Like if you were going to put one article up on your fridge, you know, what's it going to be? Jeez, uh, I, I, I like features the best. Uh, I've always been, like I said, a people person from interviewing those uh, lovely candy givers out when I was a kid to, to now. So I've always been into that. So uh, various stories. I mean, I wrote one about a father and son who happened to have open heart surgery 24 hours apart by the same doctor, wow. which was unplanned. Uh, there was a story about a dog in Woodburn that woke up the entire family and saved them. So there's, there's a lot of different features in sports. I've written stories about uh, kids that have had different types of adversity that they faced. So I don't know if there's one particular one that I'm most proud of. I, I think that at 28, I guess I still have a ways to go with, with finding out that one. But Why should we bother reading local news? I think it's to just be informed uh, as the main thing. and. And I think that's very important because I think as a society, things get very dangerous when you have an uninformed public. Uh, and, and with the growth of social media, uh, especially, it's great for so many reasons. And uh, like I have family in Austria 
in Switzerland. So having social media is great because I can communicate with relatives on the other side of the world instantly. But on the other side of it, from a news perspective, it's been very hard for social media sites to uh, vet information that's being posted. And so that leads to a lot of misinformation. I would always encourage people, even beyond just reading the local news, to be engaged in your towns. Go to the meetings. Pay attention to what's going on. Because once something is passed or something is changed, there's very little you can do about it. So that's one side of the value of local news. I think if you, if you pay attention to it and the fact that you know papers like ourselves, we put it sort of in a package all in one place where you can be informed in what we believe is, is need to know information. I think that helps create an informed public, which has a domino effect. The informed public goes to the polls. They make decisions on who our leaders are going to be. And, and, and that has a long sort of effect. So that would be my, my initial answer. I will say that I do think media needs to be looked at through different lenses. Uh, for example, I think you need to set, like, separate television, print, even radio to a degree, because they're all very different mediums. And television is certainly easier to sit down and watch, perhaps, and, and maybe you can work it around your daily schedule. But it's also, I mean, yes, newspapers rely on subscribers, but television is highly based on ratings. So a lot of times, I think because of just the way things are set up, there's different uh, decisions that get made because of the way that that happens. Whereas I've always been a fan of print in the sense that typically, aside from the fact that, yes, we have subscribers, you're writing articles of a certain length. Yes, it's all of it's news that's fit to print, but television with, with timing and stuff, I've noticed at least, aside from local stations, which I do think do a nice job, there just seems to be less of them. And as far as the national media for television, that is, for example, the Fox News, the MSNBCs, even the CNNs, you tend to see, I think, bias creep in a little bit more. Um, just with with political viewpoint on different coverage of stories, so that's think that's because they're so ratings driven. Uh, I think partially, but I also think it's a trend of where we're sort of going uh, as a society. Uh, Marty Baron is a pretty well known newspaper editor. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, he was one of the editors of the Boston Globe when they had the whole Spotlight movie based off of, as far mm. as like the Catholic priests and all the uncovering of that. And he's working, or he was working at the Washington Post. I think he's about to retire, but he was recently on PBS NewsHour. And he talked about one of the challenges is that a lot of times people aren't seeking to be informed anymore. They're looking to be affirmed. Uh, people are often seeking out their same viewpoints because they want to be like, like, say like, yes, I have the right opinion. That's what they're looking for as opposed to being informed. And I think that's what you're sort of seeing with certain television networks and why they have a certain maybe ratings driven model as far as the bigger national stations, the Fox news is the MSNBCs, because typically if you're more liberal uh, politically, you might want to watch an MSNBC uh, because you're going to hear more opinions that align with you. Whereas if you're more conservative, you might watch Fox news because, Hey, I'm not a fan of the current president and they're not a fan of the current president. So like I enjoy the fact that like, so that, that, that I think plays a large role into it. That's interesting. And so the point being then that newspapers such as the Sullivan County Democrat don't really have to work within the, the confines of being driven by the number of people who are, you know, reading a certain article or whatnot. You know, obviously in the print paper, you can't tell who's reading which articles in a print newspaper, but online you would be able to see, I'm assuming how many people are viewing what types of stories does that influence then even just how much effort's going to get put into writing those types of stories and those topics of stories in the future because maybe that's not exactly ratings driven but it is kind of driven by clicks and views and whatnot yeah so as we move into our newer website i'm sure there will be a little bit more analysis 
of, of those analytical data where you see how many people look at the articles. But but I'll, I'll ask you, a, I'll try to do a switch off since I'm used to asking questions. But do <laughs> sure. you know what the number one most clicked thing is on newspaper sites? I don't. Obituaries. Oh, you know, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that, that, so that's something that, and that's because people generally, as they get older or whatever, they, they're like, oh, do I know anybody? Because yeah. they want to stay up on that side of things. So, so I will say this, having worked at a larger paper before the Democrat, uh, just with internships and stuff, I noticed that sort of at the bigger, more corporate background is there is a little bit more focus on analytics, which I think analytics are good in a way. But at the same time, I think they're dangerous because I think mm. people put a lot into them. And I think that's sort of what's been good with our paper is that we try not to do a, a large focus on just what's being clicked on the most. Um, there's a, another newspaper term, if it bleeds, it leads, which means also aside from like obituaries, fires, arrests, that type of stuff tends to get more clicks, tends to get more shares tends to get more readership because it just, it draws people in. Hmm. Um, and I think that's just human nature, honestly. I mean, yeah, most of the time it's great when I can, if I see that like, Hey, life's getting an award and I'm feeling like this is awesome. I'm so happy for him. But a lot of times people are more drawn to, Oh, so-and-so got arrested for this and that for some reasons, the negative seems to draw in people. Yeah. It's just human nature for some reason. But for us, I think what we've tried to focus on with the Democrats and I think a lot of community papers do is we're just trying to do the best that we can at representing everything fairly in the sense of not just stories being fair and unbiased, but the fact, that, like I said, we have 15 townships. We have, uh, I think like six or seven villages. I'm sorry if I have that number wrong, but we have a community, one community college. We have eight school districts, um, nine, if you include BOCES into that mix. What are we doing, whether it's sports coverage of teams or as towns to make sure that we're getting around to these places as often as possible, or at the very least, if we can't quite fit with our schedules, because some of these meetings happen at the same time that we're following up more, at least there when something major is happening. What does the future of local news look like? I mean, both of the Democrat, but also from your experience, what do you think more broadly as well. Is is this a dying breed? Yeah, I don't think it's a dying breed. Maybe I'm optimistic, obviously, because I'm I'm there and, and I'm hopeful that, <laughs> that it's not. But I think it, it's just I think we're in a period of adaptation uh, mm. with with media. I think print is not going to go away because I think there's still a romantic sort of thing about it, just like I would hope books don't go away, right? Because Yes, Kindles are getting more popular and everything's more digital. I'm not surprised that most young people don't necessarily pick up papers because I've got cousins that are you know, under 12, 13 years old. They've got cell phones already and they're playing Minecraft and watching cat videos on YouTube. And so it, we're sort of being pushed, I think, more and more towards a focus as far as the digital world on entertainment, as far as looking for new sources. And so I think you just have to adapt. I think print will be there. I think we at the Democrat have done a good job with Fred deserves a lot of credit for this is finding a model that both sustains the new side. Like we have the 50 plus special sections and in a lot of ways, those are a lot of business features, a lot of local stuff. So those tend to, I think, be more appealing to advertisers. And so not that the newspaper isn't a great place to advertise. I hope you know people do, and I hope they continue to, but uh, it's just another avenue for advertising revenue. And in a way, it kind of helps balance. Okay, that helps us keep doing our news things without having to worry. I think that local news and journalism will always exist as long as people want it to exist. The other side of local news media here in Sullivan County is our radio stations. And of those, one of the most recognizable voices belongs to Paul Siliberto on Thunder 102. Aside from being a senior advisor to Bold Gold Media Group, which owns Thunder 102, he hosts the weekday morning show Siliberto and Friends for the station. 
His show isn't specifically dedicated to news, but Paul has been the voice of community events and local updates for more than 15 years. When I was growing up in the area, I knew that if there was something happening in the region that was worth mentioning, Paul Siliberto was going to mention it. So I wanted to know how he puts together his daily three-hour-long program. First of all, the preparation obviously happens prior to the show, and in particular with the show that we've kind of built with what we call Ciliberto and Friends. It is a community and a local-based show. So a lot of the time goes into scheduling either the guests that would be a once and done for a particular segment or the guests that are in on a, on a consistent basis. Many times um, I'll get requests from, from people in the community, whether it be a request to talk about a charity event that's coming up or a news event that's coming up, something like that. And it's really the scheduling of, of those guests and then playing in other guests like once a week, we have a, a conversation with um, State Senator Mike Martucci, and that tradition has carried on from uh, you know when State Senator Jen Metzger was with us. Um, we have a weekly conversation with Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther. So it's really scheduling the show leading up to that point. And then the morning of the show, it's really getting information on what might happen to be topical or what's going on locally and then weaving that into the context of the show. My mission is really to get somebody either A, to give the information on an event they've got coming up, on the organization that they're representing, if it's a community type function. If it's something that involves news, my mission is to have them get their either opinion or the facts out. I feel that my opinion is the least important. This is not like a talk show, an opinionated show. This is a show to give the information. And then if there's a counterpoint, I like to get that person on as well so that our listeners can make their own decision. So it's entertainment, providing information on community and charity events, and then providing as many sides of a situation as possible so our listeners have as much info as possible. And you kind of helped get Thunder 102 off the ground. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I um, from, the, from the very beginning, I worked with, uh, at the time, our owner, Vince Benedetto. And really, it was from, from day one of Thunder 102. Um, and Vince is great in the fact that, you know, he gave, gave me the mission of what we were looking to do. And then I kind of like put things together based on that mission. And so since that all got started, when was that? 2006, was it? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Have you, do you feel like you've seen the impact of your work on the Sullivan County community? Definitely. I'm, I'm very, very proud to say that. Hmm. Um, I've, I definitely have seen the impact, but I think what I'm even more proud of than seeing the impact is seeing the partnerships that have developed over the years because it's not just me or the radio station making the impact. It's working together with whether it be local fire departments or in particular with like a, I'm going to just mention one of many, but like a Liberty Rotary Club, hmm. working in partnership to get the information out and seeing those partnerships make the impact. I mean, everything from our local uh, Radiothon to benefit St. Jude, which is a building sitting, you know, in Memphis, Tennessee, but has so much local impact on people's lives. So, yeah, I, I, I really feel it made an impact. But again, I'm even more proud of the partnerships that have been created to make the impact. So then more broadly, in your mind, how does having local programming and local news and whatnot impact a community on a whole? What is the significance of having that local stuff beyond, you know, uh, Fox, CNN, CBS, whatever that we can catch on, on TV whenever we want? See, that's a good point. And that's something that I think is so, so much in everybody's face, but yet we don't realize it. And the fact is that we, we naturally hear more of the national and you hear trends and you hear this and you hear that. 
But something that is big or that impacts, let's say, a major metropolitan area like a New York City or or a Los Angeles may not have any impact on a Sullivan County area and vice versa. Something that's so important to a Sullivan County area has really very little impact because it's already been taken place or taken care of in a national, you know, metropolitan area. And I think when it's local, you're dealing with those details of what's important to your neighbor. Like you said, it's voices of people that are right down the street from you that you hear in local media. And that's something that really, I know what's affecting somebody down the road. It's totally different than what's affecting somebody in New York City. And that's where I think, you know, the impact of, of local. And I always say, you know, people will maybe listen to, um, let's say, a satellite radio station for music. But I always say if, if they notice there's a fire in the sky or, God forbid, they hear a bomb go off. And that's just a term I use. They're going to tune to some a local station to find mm. out what happened because it's affecting them locally. And I think there's a very big distinction. What plays in a major metropolitan area may not play here because it doesn't affect your neighbor or my neighbor. It seems like the news and media that happens, that focuses on the national level, more and more in the last couple decades, it feels like it, it plays into biases that already exist and whatnot. And often especially now seems to have the impact of kind of pulling us apart um, across these sometimes kind of seemingly arbitrary political lines. Um, And do you feel like local news kind of has the opposite effect? Oh, absolutely. Um, And I don't know if it's more so that it has the opposite effect, but it's got no reason to really play on the difference is it's got no reason to drive a wedge in between people because again, you know, we're looking at, we're talking to neighbors. Um, we're talking about something that's going to affect somebody right down the road, whether it be economically, whether it be socially, whatever the case may be. So yeah, there are a lot of national, let's say situations that, whether they're sensationalized or, you know, because of the fact that people are different in a Chicago than they are in a New York and a Los mm-hmm. Angeles, those differences shine. But I'm not very much, you know, very different from you or from the person in Kashecton or the person in Narrowsburg who's got the same needs. We need good internet. We need, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely think that a local radio more so than by mission pulling people together, it doesn't have a reason to put the wedges in between people. Yeah. And then lastly, I'm curious what you think about the future of local radio, local newspapers, kind of that locally focused and run media in general. I think we're looking at a couple different segments when it comes to local, you know, newspapers. Um, a lot of them are going to continue to survive because they've changed with the times. Mm. They've become a lot more present online. Um, they're doing kind of like what we're doing now, where you can go to a newspaper site and see a Zoom um, a Zoom meeting or a Zoom call or even a Zoom story. So I think that's going to help them survive. But just from the very basis of local media, local media with the advent of all national sources and more ways for people to access information, local and in particular terrestrial local radio listenership has continued to grow, Mm. not just to maintain. And it has not, you know, it has not lost audience. It's actually grown because I think a lot of the reasons, you know, that you're bringing out in, you know, this show that, that you're, that you're doing right now, is because of the fact that it is local. It is dealing with your neighbor, and you're not going to get that with a satellite program. You're not going to get that with a lot of um, what's available through technology. But it all boils down to what's it 
doing to affect the person two doors down from you. And that's where local is here and local is here to stay. And we've got a hall. We can't lose sight of that. I want to zoom out a little bit now and look at local news in the broader Catskills region. You may have heard about the Watershed Post, an online newspaper that covered topics throughout the Catskills from 2010 to 2017. Our next guest was the driving force behind that paper alongside her partner, and she now writes for The River, which is an online Catskills and Hudson Valley focused news publication under the umbrella of Chronogram. As someone who is at the center of both the formation and the closing of a local news publication, I was curious what wisdom she has about what it takes for local news to survive in a turbulent and evolving media landscape. My name is Lisa Harris. I grew up here. Um, my family is from Delaware County for six or seven generations back, uh, and I, I grew up in Woodstock and Mount Tremper and uh, spending summers in Margaretville where my grandmother lived. I've bopped around all over the Catskills in my <laughs> youth, uh, moved away as an adult and then decided to come back uh, really with the kind of a local news mission. Um, I worked at an alt weekly in Boston um, for, for a few years and it instilled me with a, a great love of local news and the incredible connections you can make as a as a, a local reporter with uh, mainly with incredibly cranky people, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but in very entertaining ways. People care harder about local news than than just about anything else because mm. you know anything that 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 impacts the place where you live. It's not academic. It's uh, it's your life. It's your home. Um, it's your family. It's it's really everything. I'm curious what made you come back to the area with the mission to to do local journalism. So this was in about I would say 2009, um, and having having done a stint in alt weeklies and uh, and really gotten bitten by the bug, there was also a, a really amazing. Um, Boston website called Universal Hub that I, I was a fan of, like just about every other reporter in Boston was. Um, we would follow it for the latest uh, the latest news of the city and the tea and the Red Sox and uh, you know where, where, where there was a traffic jam. It was it was uh, it was an aggregator, but uh, it was kind of a one man band. There was there was one guy who was was just very dedicated to um, to curating and aggregating every snippet of Boston news that he could find, and uh, and serving it up promptly and efficiently, and. In, and with a kind of a, a voice that said, you know, I'm from here, you're from here, we all love this city. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, th this would be amazing to recreate in a rural area where it's so difficult to distribute the news. You know, once you've reported it, that's only half the battle mm. because you have to get it into the paper and you have to truck it around all over the landscape. And if you're in the radio, you have to worry about things like mountains getting in the way of your, your transmitters. And uh, in a way, uh, digital news is, is even more, um, it makes even more sense in a rural area because you can, you can kind of solve some of those distribution problems if you can gather enough of an audience. At least that's what I thought. So <laughs> I thought, you know, I wonder how, uh, if I could get an audience of, of people around the Catskills to, to really look at, at local news online, which was kind of a new concept for the area at the time. So we started, uh, my, my wife and I started the Watershed Post, which when, when we began, we were really just pointing people to um, the journalism that was being done in small papers and community news sites and blogs around the area. And as we as it went on, we started doing more and more and more original reporting as we started to see the gaps. 
um, and things that weren't being covered. Um, and our, our project was pretty ambitious, um, maybe a little too ambitious. Our territory was really huge. Mm. Um, you know, we looked at, at kind of the five Catskills is four or five counties, depending on how you count it. Um, we kind of, you know, set out to, uh, to cover kind of the central Catskills as our, as our, our main area and, uh, and try to, to keep up with, uh, with the interesting news developments, but especially as it related to the rural areas. And we found that people were really hungry for it mm. and that audience wasn't so much our problem. <laughs> Finding people to read the news wasn't, wasn't so much the problem. Um, you know, it was, uh, there, there were, there were, there were a lot more issues in terms of, uh, you know, finding the funding and in a long-term way um, and, uh, and really um, mission. And it was just a tremendous amount of work. Um, and we, we hope that we could grow it into, uh, into something that could hire more people and, and support more people. So do you think that a, a lot of these papers that have been going down both in our region, but all over the country, are struggling for the same reasons that you found it difficult to keep going with the Watershed Post? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, and I actually think, you know, in some ways, a digital regional outlet like what we were trying to build is kind of a different beast. And we mm. found out how different a beast it was by doing it. <laughs> um, there are there are weird economic problems in uh, in how you sell ads. Like uh, we, we launched a couple of, of print guides to the region that were more tourist focused. Uh, we had an outdoor guide and a food guide, and we found that it was much easier to sell ads in these print publications mm. that were more evergreen and more tourist focused, even though they were vastly more expensive for businesses than the digital ads. Do you think that businesses just feel more confident that people will see their stuff if it I, I think physically there's an exists? I think there's an emotional thing about print mm. and about beautiful print, right? Because, you know, some of what we were doing on the Watershed Post was kind of, it hit that beautiful button, right? It hit that, like, here's a lot of white space. Here is Here is a story that makes you feel smart or makes you, like, love the region a little bit, right? It hit that emotional button. But a lot of what we did was very, you know, bread and butter community news. And, you know, here's a fire hab that just happened. And, and here's this community event that's going on. And it doesn't, it doesn't hit that, that prestige button or that, like, that emotional button for people. Um, so you have this, like, you know, you have the shine of, of, of a printed thing, a thing that is explicitly aimed at, at visitors and at people who are spending money. So that's part of it. But then, and then there's also just this like, well, you know, do I want my ad next to, you know, that kind of content or do, do I want it next to, you know, an arrest or a fire or, or whatever. The web has, has also really just un, it's, it's unbundled um, content from, from advertising in so many ways uh, mm. that a lot of the, 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 the staples of, what used to keep newspapers afloat and things like classified ads. And, and, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense anymore because you, you can find that stuff all separately. Um, brands can reach consumers directly through social media. They don't, they don't need to advertise in the newspaper in order to get in front of people's faces in a lot of ways. I mean, there's, there's so many dimensions to this problem. Um, but I think, uh, I think, I think businesses used to be more dependent on, the newspaper to put them to put their stuff in front of people than they currently are. So do you have thoughts on what, what a sustainable business model for a local uh, news organization, whether it's a, a print paper or an online paper or something else, even like radio for that matter, what a sustainable business model looks like going forward now that we're in this age of social media and whatnot? Well, right now, I'm I'm really hoping that we're, we we can uh, make some strides on figuring this out for the newsroom I'm working for now. Um, I am currently working for the River, which is a project of Chronogram. So Chronogram is is uh, you know it's a glossy, more lifestyle oriented, arts and entertainment oriented magazine in the Hudson Valley. The River is kind of its digital 
I don't, it's, we're not technically a nonprofit, but we're, we're digital reader supported, more hard news and uh, less magazine-y than, than Chronogram. So we're trying to carve out a place for ourselves that is a mix of reader support and going after philanthropic support, grant writing, that sort of thing. And that's a place where regional and um you know, state level news organizations have had some success with that. So we're, we're hoping to go that route, but I don't know that anybody has really, you know, cracked this nut and has a playbook for how you, uh, how you support regional or, or community news. And I, I think also there's an, an issue of, um, does that model really work at the level of detail and the level of community investment that you, you need to run a truly local newspaper? I also want to ask you about, uh, I was just reading uh, in, in 2019, there was a national uh, survey done determining how much people trust uh, different organization or different institutions, I should say, one of which being your local newspaper. And I think that this survey has been done multiple times over the years. And when folks were asked in the survey about whether they leaned conservative or leaned liberal... They found that in 2019, the, their political leanings indicated more strongly than ever whether they were would also trust local news or not. And I, I think the statistic was um, 50% of Democrats felt strongly confident in their local news organizations, and only 27% of Republicans felt confident in their local news organizations. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts uh, or, or experiences as to why we're starting to see discrepancies like that? Ah, uh, I mean, this is, this is a topic on so many different levels, right? And, mm. and uh, you know, one of the things at play here is that there really has, has been kind of a concerted effort, I would say, in the, in the National Republican Party to, uh, to discredit the whole idea of news and, and mm. journalism. And, um, to instill a lack of trust in in news sources, and you think that and filters it, down to the local and level, and that probably as well. does filter down to the local level as well. Mm. You know that that being said, upstate New York, rural upstate New York, is a really politically interesting place uh, that doesn't where where even uh, even even voting patterns that look like they match the national Democrat Republican landscape, I think, don't have the same dynamics here necessarily. I certainly did find when I was running a local news outlet, we were able to build this this uh, this readership that was incredibly politically diverse, and that we could see geographically was was spanning you know full time locals and also people that were here on the weekends. Like we could you know we could see our New York City traffic, we could see our local traffic, and I and I would get reader mail about it all the time from from. Mm all kinds of people in the community. Um, and I think that that is a, a really difficult uh, balancing act for a local news outlet to, to pull off. That we were really trying to kind of say to everybody, you know, who has a stake in the Catskills, hey, you know, do you care about this place? If you care about this place, you need to be reading us. I think on the local level is, uh, is really where we have a chance to um, have some of these common conversations uh, among people of very different political backgrounds and very different opinions who are, who are, you know, probably not ever going to watch the same national news or read the same national news. They're all going to be reading their local paper if you're doing your job right. And that's, that's one of the few areas of common ground that's really left in this, in this increasingly fractured media landscape. And, and it's part of why it's sad to see local papers dry up so much is that there really aren't a whole lot of places where we have that kind of common ground um, among people with, uh, with wildly different political beliefs. As someone who is actively doing local news, what are some of the major things that you think that folks in the Catskills and, and Hudson Valley region should be paying attention to uh, more, things that merit more attention? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you can never go wrong paying more attention to your local town government. Mm. Uh, this is this is generally kind of a black hole for people, especially if they've lost their newspaper. And one of the things that, that has happened because of the pandemic um, that might 
you know, knock on wood, be a sort of a silver lining, is that local governments have gotten a little bit more digitally enabled. So, you know, you've seen this trend, and I think around the country of, of uh, people tuning in more to their town and city government meetings because they've been available on Zoom. And, you know, if you don't have to drive half an hour or, you know, get parking or, you know, give up your your Tuesday night or whatever, um, it, it it's an easier proposition to to keep up with your local government. So, you know, some local governments are continuing to have these remote meetings and, uh, and maybe seeing more specific participation because of that. Our last guest today is probably best known for being the publisher of the Shuangunk Journal, but she is a major player throughout the Catskills news scene. One of her recent projects to help keep local news organizations afloat in an increasingly digital environment has been the establishment of News Atomic, which hosts content for more than 15 regional publications in one online space. My name is Amberly Jane Campbell. I'm the publisher of the Schwangung Journal newspaper out of Ellenville. And um, I'm also the manager and co-founder of the Kingston Wire, which is our um, newish digital newspaper for the Kingston area. So, so basically, um, you know, some years ago, we kind of realized that print was on its way out. And, um, and so really the digital realm was the next frontier. Mm. And so um, the owners of the paper, uh, Alex uh, Schiffer and Sharon Richmond, they are actually computer programmers by nature. So they, uh, you know, dug deep into what they do best and um, they created this platform and the platform itself is called News Atomic. So the News Atomic platform is the online platform that houses the Schwangunk Journal newspaper and we have everything in the newspaper on there. It also, um, we really like envisioned it as a you know, something that would strengthen the entire landscape uh, for local independent media. And so to that end, we not only have the journal on there, but we also do have Manor Inc. on there. Um, and we do have subscribers to Manor Inc. on that platform. Um, we also have, you know, um, Ulster Publishing. We had we have Mid-Hudson News. Um, we have um, the other Hudson Valley. We have the BKAA, uh, Bashak Hill area uh, newsletter, The Guardian. And, um, and we do have a, a few other other all independent, um, you know, locally owned media. And, um, and, and so really it, we wanted it to be like a one-stop shop for, for, for local independent media. And so, you know, you go on there, you subscribe to the SJ and then some people, you know, they say, um, they subscribe to the SJ five bucks a month, unlimited reading. And then maybe they keep like $10 or so in their account and they can purchase articles piecemeal at 25 cents a piece. So why is it, do you think, that print is, as you said, on its way out? Oh, boy. There's a lot of reasons <laughs> for that. Um, the overarching one is that we live in the digital age. And um, a lot of the, especially, you know, let's say 45 and under, uh, if, if that's your age range, you really are reaching for your phone um, if you want news. And so, you know, we just realized that more people were just seeking news in the digital realm. And, um, and so that's one reason also because printing presses are closing, uh, are all around the area that we have one of the last printing presses. Uh, we don't have it, but we use one of the last printing presses and that's Southern Duchess news, uh, in Wappingers Falls. And so they print our, our paper. Um, but you know, I mean, printing presses are closing the costs associated with them are going through the roof. Um, the paper, the actual newsprint paper, uh, that the price of that is going up as well. And so the price to actually just print a newspaper is, is going up. And also the government wanted to, you know, put tariffs on newsprint and that would further raise the price on them, you know, and then there's also a push for 
um, the price to be raised at the post office. So right now we get a really, really low rate to, you know, to mail out all of these newspapers, thousands that we mail out. And so, you know, they want to, they want to up that price and take away our special, you know, the newspaper deal. And so that would really like raise prices so astronomically that it would be, it just wouldn't make sense to be able to mail the paper. And there's also a chance that, so right now there is a law, as you may know, that um, you know municipalities and counties have to print their legal notices in a newspaper. Um, so we are the paper of record for a ton of municipalities and school districts. And so they, they print their legals in our paper. And there is a, also a push to, um, to remove that and, and make it so that they can just put their stuff up online and that they don't have to print in a newspaper. If that did happen... I mean, I can't even tell you how much revenue we would lose um, wow. that's, you know, helping to keep us afloat. So, and that goes into the same realm of, you know, Facebook, other social media platforms have seriously cut into advertising revenue. And so it just, for so many reasons, just kind of makes sense. And and we knew it, you know, years ago. And that's why they developed their, you know, our own platform, which is News Atomic. Even though people overwhelmingly trust local news more than national news, um, it seems to be eroding a little bit across the country. And there's this divide that has come out where there are a lot more people that would consider themselves to be uh, liberal or progressive uh, who trust local news overwhelmingly than there are people who consider themselves to be conservative who trust local news. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, our um you know, so our newspaper is out of Ellenville, you know, which is a fairly conservative area. Um a lot of agricultural work, you know, a lot of farmers, you know, et cetera, like that. And um I, I gotta say, like we have a lot of support of of every side. Mm. Um, you know, we really, really try to skew with just the facts not putting in our own, you know, thoughts or partisan opinions, whatever they may be. And, and actually we all, we all are kind of on the spectrum, um, you know, within the newspaper of, of how we feel about things. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's funny, like when the first round of stimulus checks came out, um, you know, somebody donated their stimulus to us. Um, and it was a, a woman who was fairly conservative, you know, and, but she says, I know you guys, do good work and you don't seek to divide us. So I want mm -hmm. you to have this, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, I, I was so touched. There's this, this shared, you know, narrative of community that, you know, people, people speak through the newspaper and, you know, we often very much lead, you know, conversations um, on a local level about policy, about, you know, should this street be closed off to foot traffic? What do you think your community needs to make it a better place? You know, and we're very much in, embedded in the community. So people see us as part of the community because we, you know, we tell their stories. Do you have any thoughts as to why that doesn't happen on a national level with nationally focused news? Because you, to me, it would seem that if there was um, you know, national news organizations that run fairly unbiased, which there are, um, that it would have, if we were to follow the same logic, a similar effect where we would trust our national institutions more and, and come together nationally more. But it doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe it is in some places and in some ways, but it seems often that nationally focused news has this effect of no matter what topic it's covering of pulling people apart more and, and making them more divided along seemingly sometimes arbitrary lines and, and politically. So I'm curious where you think the disconnect is, if there is one. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, they're just so big. They're just so big. You, you know, there's not a thought that, you know, you can just walk up to the newspaper office and talk to the publisher like you can at the Schwangunk Journal. So, you know, I mean, we are small enough that everybody knows who we are. They kind of even know our life story. When I write in a, a publisher's column, you know, my publisher's columns are very much um, personal. 
you know? And so people, people know me, you know, I, I know a lot of people in the community's life stories. And there's just, when, when you get to be so big and you're not necessarily owned by a small local family, you know, Mm -hmm. you're owned by a company, a corporation, a hedge fund, you know, as many daily newspapers are, um, there's, there's opaqueness, you know, and, and we're very transparent and we're very accessible. And, um, I, I don't know if that's even possible with a large scale publication, you know, you're, you're not going to know every, you know, every salesperson or the person answering the phone, you know, but you definitely do with a, a small local paper. That's so interesting. So you think it's rooted in, we trust people that we know and, we tend not to trust people that we can't really put a face to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I, I, I can't even tell you how important it is that I am, you know, out and about every day and meeting the community. I mean, it, it is the difference between our publication failing or not. Are there any topics that you think that should be covered more in your your own opinion, or, you know, are you hearing from a lot of people that are saying, you know, these topics are not getting enough attention from, from local news? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, there's always, you know, what I wish I had more time for is I, I love the, uh, like the man on the street interviews. And I wish that we, fo- you know, and when I say we, I mean all, all newspapers, all local yeah. newspapers, I wish we focused more on just a normal citizen, not a politician, not head of, you know, the business community or whatever, just a normal person. And, you know, it's, you know, like humans of New York, like I'd love to humans of Hudson Valley, you know, I, that is on my list of like, when I get a little bit more bandwidth of, you know, being able (laughs) to tackle. Um, Another thing that people, uh, we, we do cover it a lot, but it, it deserves a lot of coverage is the housing crisis. And, um, you know, I mean, over the last year, home prices have raised 54%, 54% from February to February of this year. In which area? It's uh, in Ulster County. Oh, got it. Okay. So, so, you know, a little bit, we're on the border of Ulster County, you know, and Sullivan, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's definitely, you know, Airbnbs and whether or not they're, they're going to, uh, you know, at a municipal level have more restrictions on them is a, is a, is a huge discussion that municipalities are really contending with right now. And they have real life implications. I have so many friends who were renting for years and years and years you know, COVID hit, someone came up and bought that house and is pushing them out or is raising, you know, rental prices astronomically, you know, that people cannot afford to live here anymore and they're just getting pushed out. So, I mean, this is a a huge crisis. And I I think that even as much as we cover it, it should be covered more um, because it's really affecting so many people. And um, I, I guess those are the two big things. You know, I mean, we we put a lot of resources into covering COVID-related items and, and health items and, and housing, you know, but like I said, more housing and more just normal people and their stories. Because I think when you humanize, you know, when you tell someone's story and you're humanizing them and you're you're a little closer to walking in their shoes and it gets a little bit easier to be united with them. I am honored that I had the chance to speak with local journalists about their profession and their passion. One of the interesting common threads between each of their thoughts about local news was that they see their work going beyond informing the public about local happenings. It's about bringing people together on common ground, like our sense of place, our love for our communities, and our genuine interest in one another's lives and well-being. And you know, it's so easy for us to switch on our televisions and check out our news apps and our Twitter feeds on our phones. And holy cow, what a tumultuous and anxiety-inducing world we live in. But I want to leave you with a thought. Next time you check your national news source of choice, think about how many of the news stories impact you and your loved ones. Probably some. 
but maybe not too many. And now think about how many of those stories you personally can do something about. If we were so inclined, most of us would have the time and energy to try to impact maybe one thing on the national or international scene. Maybe we'd decide to join an activist group and lobby our representatives in Washington to do something about a particular issue. But at the end of the day, most of those national news stories aren't anything we personally can have much of an impact on, no matter how frustrating they may be. And don't get me wrong, it is important to stay informed. After all, we are responsible for electing those representatives. But if you flip through the Sullivan County Democrat or you check out the River or the Shawangunk Journal, I'm willing to bet that three quarters of the news stories you see in there are things you could have a direct impact on. When your town board debates a law that you don't like, you can show up at the next meeting or pop in on Zoom and make your voice heard. And there is something empowering about that. Thank you so much to Joe Abraham, Paul Ciliberto, Lissa Harris, and Amberly Jane Campbell for sharing their wisdom about this beloved local institution. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back this coming week with more conversations here in the Catskills. But until then, I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a production of WJFF Radio Catskill. Mm -hmm.